Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. So we love to bring you founder stories of all shapes and sizes on the Smart People Should Build Things podcast. Often the best companies are founded out of necessity. I actually uh, I wrote an extended piece on that um, on The Note uh, a while back. Um, someone spots a problem in their daily life, searches for a solution to that problem, and unable to find one, decides to take a leap and build that solution for themselves and for others. And this is exactly what happened to Mike McDermott, who was doing the invoicing for his small design firm in Toronto, uh, when he accidentally saved over an invoice that he was working on and lost the information. He was fed up and decided to build his own solution, designing what eventually became the foundation for FreshBooks. Today, FreshBooks is an easy-to-use cloud accounting software that helps small business owners get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. If you're an entrepreneur or small business owner, FreshBooks has a ton of features that help businesses run like a well-oiled machine. Beyond being able to send and track professional-looking invoices using an app, your client can pay directly online or via credit card. FreshBooks time-tracking mobile app is a fantastic tool for service-based business owners or project managers looking to track team projects. They offer a suite of other resources, including reporting, estimating, and an award-winning customer service team. If you call during business hours, you'll get a live human, something that's important to me, talk to a person within three rings or less. FreshBooks is offering Smart People Should Build Things listeners a free 30-day unrestricted trial, no credit card required. With tax season approaching, I recommend you take advantage of this offer. It will help you get your books in order, and your accountant can even log in to get what he or she needs. Go to freshbooks.com smart and enter smart in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up, and you'll be able to take advantage of that offer. And now we move to our show. Uh, we are really pleased to welcome Heather Hartnett and Megan O'Connor from Human Ventures. Welcome to Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Building things can be really hard, and entrepreneurship is often portrayed in the media as the sexy or even worse, easy career path. Through this series, we plan to pull back the curtain and tell the gritty stories of entrepreneurship. We're striving to create a relaxed environment where entrepreneurs feel free to tell their stories. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Hey everyone, Jeremy Scheinwald here with another episode of Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. I am an entrepreneur. You can check out my firms at missiondrivengroup.com. But more relevant to the show is that I've been a longtime uh, volunteer, mentor, and now avid podcaster with Venture for America. It's a program that I really respect and support. It is a fellowship for enterprising recent college graduates who launch their careers as entrepreneurs and help revitalize America's cities. After five weeks of training, VFA fellows spend two years in the trenches of a startup in an emerging U.S. city where they learn how to contribute to, high growth, to a high-growth business. Afterwards, VFA provides the mentorship, network, and resources fellows need to become entrepreneurs. To learn more about Venture for America and to support our work, you can visit ventureforamerica.org. I hope you're becoming, uh, or I hope you are, a loyal listener to our podcast. Please take a moment to uh, ensure that you're subscribed to our show on iTunes, maybe even like the show, and um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Scheinwald. We love listeners. Please tell someone about our show. Our guests today are 
Heather Hartnett and Megan O'Connor, CEO and Chief Growth Officer, respectively, for Human Ventures, a startup studio which seeks to develop its own concepts internally, bring epic humans on board, we'll talk about that epic human term, and then accelerate the growth of these businesses until they get funded. At that point, human can push them out of the nest, so to speak. Human Ventures was founded by Joe Marchese, uh, who sold his advertising firm to Fox for $200 million. He remains at Fox today, but he had the idea for and started Reserve, a restaurant reservation and payment app, which has become quite successful, and Reserve itself inspired him to try to replicate the model where he brings in these epic people uh, to implement a homegrown vision, thus became Human Ventures. I'll let Heather and Megan tell the story. It's our pleasure to have them both on the show today. Heather and Megan, th- thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us. Okay, guys, I want to start with a really basic question. Um, I, I did intro Human Ventures in, I did put it in the intro and give a little description, but I think I, I want to make sure that, that, that you guys have the opportunity to explain what, it, what a startup studio is and what Human Ventures is. So, go. Great. So, Human Ventures, our mission is to be the world's best co-founder. So, we are a startup studio, which means we co-found companies in-house, we incubate those companies, and then as they as they grow, we continue to deploy our resources and our network and our, our, um, our expertise to those companies to help them through various stages of growth. So it's a company that builds companies, really. And our specialty is really just accelerating those pre-steed stages of a startup. Human Ventures is not a venture fund. Uh, despite what some people might think. We are a company ourselves, and so we co-found and and start companies within Human Ventures. Okay, I definitely want to come back to, to Human Ventures, um, but to start, I want to talk about your backgrounds. Um, in doing my research for the show, the term epic human kept coming up um, from you guys, from, from Joe, your, your founder. Um, individuals who have innate characteristics rather than specific technical skills Heather, I don't want to like put you on the spot, but um, you know, force you to declare yourself to be an epic human yourself. But uh, but you've worked in like a real diversity of industries. Is your ability to be a utility player what attracted you to Human Ventures in the first place, or maybe that's what got you noticed by Human Ventures when they saw all the different things you did and brought you in? It's a it's a great question. I think when we uh, when Joe and myself start talking about what this structure is going to look like, one thing that we had back and forth always have done over the last five, six years, when you find a really good person, you introduce them to the people that you think the energy will will resonate with them and something big will come out of it. And we used to send each other emails saying, this is a good human. And that <laughs> good human, you kind of, you drill down, you say, what does that mean, a good human? Yes, a good human on the inside and all the characteristics that we know and love and, ha- and aspire to be. But then also on the outside, how, do you, how does that translate? Is it somebody who gets things done? Is it somebody who knows how to um, understand the value between relationships and connections? And and it's all of the above. And so so it was really when Joe's vision, when he, he sold his previous company, Truex, and he decided, what what is the entity that I want to create? I don't want to just create another venture fund. We started talking about, well, what if it's an entity around what makes a good company? And it all starts with the good human. And um, and so that was the that's the premise behind Human Ventures Capital. Capital kind of play off of human capital as well. So you had you had known Joe for for quite some time, and like, how did he determine that you were the person to become CEO of of, uh, of 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 Human Ventures? It's a great question. Yeah, Megan, Joe, and I all um, had known each other previously and worked together in various um, 
in various capacities, not always a formal capacity, but whether we were putting events on together or um, bringing people together at dinner uh, for a common purpose. Um, I think prior to Human Ventures, I was uh, incubating a tech company within for a venture partner venture partner group. And so it was kind of an informal model of what we're now formalizing with Human Ventures. Um, I think I've always been around, my, my parents were entrepreneurs, my grandfather was an entrepreneur. I've always been around that uh, environment of starting something from nothing. And I think it's a different mentality. It is, it is something that you thrive in or you steer away from. And for me, um, I feel most comfortable when, uh, when there isn't too much structure. <laughs> okay, well, uh, and Megan, I mean, you have the same kind of breadth of experience, right? Like that variety that sales the economist, um, the development for a nonprofit, um, and now you're chief growth officer. Um, I, I guess, you know, in line with what Heather said, where she thrives where there's not a lot of structure, I imagine um, being the chief growth, up, growth officer at a startup studio requires a lot of flexibility. It definitely requires a lot of flexibility, and I always joke that I've had the exact same job. I've just sold different products along the way, and they keep getting better and better. Um, so I'm still, by all means, a salesperson, but what's evolved in being the chief growth officer at Human Ventures is really just not only selling a product to a customer, but thinking through, how can I sell a great entrepreneur on their abilities to execute on an idea? And how how can I sell an investor on the potential of being an advisor to one of our up-and-coming companies? So it's just looking for all the different gaps that will accelerate human ventures, whether it be us as an entity, our portfolio, the people around us. How can we propel that forward? Still a sales job day to day, um, but I'm the opposite of Heather in that I thrive in structure. So <laughs> I'm the one that's always imposing that on top of us. Well, I, guess I guess you're in a position where you can create structure for these firms. Exactly, right. yeah. exactly. Yeah. And help them think through, like, what are the next milestones we have to hit in order to grow? And whether that be revenue-based, user-based, human capital-based, um, we have, I help them hit those benchmarks. So one thing that I found interesting is I was looking through both of your backgrounds, um, you know, LinkedIn, so handy for going through <laughs> people's lives, uh, professional lives, uh, is um, is that you both, like, I think we tend to think of ourselves as, like, r someone who'd be running a startup studio would be, like, a VC, mm -hmm. you know, steeped in VC or private equity or something like that. And both of you guys have um, significant nonprofit uh, background, background at the David Lynch Foundation and Pencils for Promise, respectively. Um, and and uh, and Megan, I mean, you even called nonprofit like training with weights on. Um, how did nonprofit in particular prepare you guys to lead human ventures? I always rather hire someone that came from a nonprofit than any other entity because, like I said, it's like training with weights on. These are people who have learned how to grow things from the ground up with far less resources than anybody else. They know how to be scrappy. They know how to think about the small, minute details that are necessary for success, but also be visionary in terms of what's the big picture that we're trying to achieve and how can we motivate people behind us to move towards that goal. Um, so nonprofit individuals, uh, I always think, are the greatest employees you could possibly find. Um, I also think it impacts a lot of the way that Heather and I think about good humans because we came from an impact background and we are aspiring to make the world a better place. It's changed the lens that we use when we think about the venture world and when we think about the companies that we're going to build. You know, we're solving real problems for people. Um, and there's phenomenal breadth of tech companies out there, but the ones that Human Ventures particularly wants to focus on are ones that make people's lives better. I think that's a big, I wanted to just add to that. Uh, um, we've seen a big trend. Where where does talent gravitate towards going, you know, where do they, where do they gravitate towards? And that's where the next big thing is. 
you're seeing right now when somebody has all else being equal in terms of the skill level of their job, where do they want to go and work? And they want to be able to get up every morning and care about what they're working on. And so I think in general, this next generation um, out in the workforce, it's not enough to make your money in one place and then give, you know, donate in another. But it's really marrying what you do every day uh, with people that you love to work with and, uh, you know, a company that you really believe in. So I think those two things are, they resonate with the startup world, and you you have to be able to be very resourceful um, working in, in nonprofit, working in uh, any type of impact background. And so that really translates well to the startup environment. Well, let's talk about this this concept of epic humans. Um, it's already come up a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, because, you know, that really is like at the core of what you're striving for. I mean, how do you know when you truly stumble upon an epic human being? And like what are I mean, we talked a little bit about the characteristics, but if you go a little deeper into like what it what it means to be an epic human, that'd be great. I think it's a it's it's a good point and one that we started to uh, really think, OK, if this is our this is what we're hanging our hat on, then what are our guardrails to to make sure that we're hiring in a in, when we have to hire rapidly for our companies, we have some some things to put up against values, um, uh, how we want to grow out the team, what do we want our culture to look like in five years, because ultimately each person you hire is going to add to that. Um, these things we put a lot of attention into, and I think it's, um, it's a matter of being able, it's not definitely not the same person that you're looking for, the same type of person. Matter of fact, it's actually the opposite. You're looking for a lot of diversity and you're looking to be able to complement each other. So one of the things we pride ourselves on is I think when we find, and when we refer to the Epic Human, it's really, we're referring to the person who we want to be the founder of, co-founder of one of our companies. So the way that Human Ventures works, we have in-house concepts that we really want to build, especially this first year. We've had a couple of ideas that we know, spaces that we know we want to be in. And we, we pick out that person who will would otherwise probably start their own company. But by co-founding with Human Ventures, they know that they can, they can do that faster, they can do it in a more substantial way, and they can have a good knowledge base around them and a human network to be able to accelerate that process. So we're just looking for people who we know are going to be excellent in what they do. And it doesn't have to be, um, sometimes it's domain expertise, sometimes it's a, it's a specific skill, and then we fill in the gaps around them to make them that, that much more supported. I have to imagine that like, by, by definition, there are fewer, few epic human beings because if, not everyone can be epic. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the old Garrison Keillor, what is it? Like, uh, you know, everyone's above average or something like that. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, when you find someone like that, are mm-hmm. you, do you like do you just keep a running list of epic human beings? Like, hey, we, we've got like twelve <laughs> people here. Where if we ever find the right project like this, we're gonna connect them. Or is it, um, you know, is, is there anyone you've really you've like said like, okay, well, you know, we, we saw that person. We've got to build the company around him. Yeah. You know, is it is it w- which which way does the does it flow? It happens a little bit of both. I will say that we've met people before, and we've just been like, you're it. Like, you have everything. You're the special sauces inside of you. We need you to be a part of this network and uh, definitely work with them to think through what would be the right idea that sticks to their skill set. I will say that we also spend a ton of time just growing our network and nurturing it, not for immediate gain, but for, you know, we're in it for the marathon, not the sprint. So there's certain people that have been part of our network that we know we won't work together this year or next year, but five years down the line, we know that they could, once they hit a milestone in their own career, transition into being part of the Human Ventures family. Um, so there's are things we definitely keep tabs on. Like, when are we also the right fit 
for people in their own lives uh, and vice versa. So we're never not growing the network and we're never not feeding to it. That means we host a ton of events, we host dinners, we do panel discussions on different topics. Um, We want to make sure we're adding value to people's lives in a way that, yes, it helps our companies, but also helps the people around us who have in turn helped us a ton get to this point. What, uh, you know, we, we've all met that person who's incredibly charismatic and just seems awesome and we're like, oh God, you know, that person's like a visionary. I want to be a part of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And maybe six months later, it's like, mm, not so much of a visionary, maybe not such a nice person. <laughs> um, you know, like what, how do you, how do you prevent yourself from being deceived by, um, you know, the, 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 charms of, of, of some some maybe epic humans who are not so epic. <laughs> <That's your question. laughs> yeah, Heather started a rule. Well, when we went through our core values for the company, one of the core values that we Heather put out there from day one is we take referrals over resumes. So we much rather have somebody come to us based on you know the fact that multiple different individuals have said they have my stamp of approval. And it's always people right. we trust. And actually, an entrepreneur we're working with right now and growing our next company with is someone that was introduced to us independently by three separate people in our network all of which didn't know the other person was doing it. So that's kind of our our safeguard for making sure that the person is the right person for our network. We're also co-founding these companies. So it's not that we're building a company and then hiring a CEO and putting them in and saying that that's the person that's going to lead. Yeah, it's it's (laughs) really, we have an idea of the space we want to be in. We start the process. We've actually, the... Um, gentleman who is now uh, CEO of one of our companies that we'll be launching soon. He uh, came on board, did a couple of tests with us. We we kind of worked together first, and then he said, "Okay, I'll make the leap, leave my my stable job, and come into the network and do this because of the opportunity." So so I think that it's important to to have that test. Right, and that makes sense. The the my next question has gonna, is going to have the word startup in about 15 times. Perfect. So, <laughs> Just like it's an epic in the Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Let's start. Let's talk about starting up a starting up a startup studio, which mm-hmm. presumably, like while you're launching Human Ventures, which is, is itself a startup. It's an entity that requires you know a team and mm-hmm. an office and processes that Megan can put together. And and uh, <laughs> uh, you're also Checklist. trying to get exactly, <laughs> you're trying to get other startups off the ground that you're you know investing your your time and energy and money in. Like like so, what did you need to do to get to the point where you could start incubating businesses, or were you incubating businesses as you were getting all those things going yourself? Right. I mean, we were doing them both at the same time. So from day are. one, you're yeah. like, boom, we're we got to get our own company going, but we're also going to get all these yes. get all these others off the ground. Wow. Okay. At the same time, though, I mean, we definitely divided and conquered in those early days. So we needed to set up a really strong infrastructure, and so you know, we have now an office, processes, really good internal talent, a blueprint that we're following for certain different activities that we know that we need to do in the early stages stages for a company. Um, So we have that foundation now so we can build companies faster, we can take on ideas quicker than we could in those early days, but we were definitely doing it both at the same time in the beginning. Um, And it just took, you know, Heather and I also have a third member of the Human Ventures kind of executive team, Michael Letta, and he's a big part of that as well. Like he's good at setting the foundation so that we, we can go fly off and 
network and meet people and grow things. And he provides a really good base for us um, of consistency. And he's always on top of things in a way that just unfathomable. I asked if he could be the COO of my personal life as well because he's so good at these things. <laughs> I think also the um, the core tenant of human ventures are the companies, right? So in the beginning. It was. It wasn't. Let's let's build a whole big infrastructure and then start looking for companies or having people apply to us. It was. Let's focus on building the companies first because it's it's easier to put the framework around it once once you have some of those ideas. So in the early days, I was actually incubating uh, human ventures out of. Um, out of Joe's other company, Reserve, and so they let me have a desk there, and I was using Reserve as as definitely um, a lot of learnings from what they they had just done previous, right? So they had they were about eighteen months ahead of what we were doing, and um, and then working on our first company, and so then we had okay, we had a couple couple different you know pillars to work on, and. It's it's a process. It's a process. We're still very we're there was a great cartoon in the New Yorker the other day the other week and um and there were two people at a cocktail party and he says well I started a startup that's starting up startups and and I love that I cut it out and put it on my fridge I'm like no I can tell my mom what I do for a living. <laughs> it's so funny you said that I was just thinking myself like I was just thinking you know like Reserve is the startup that spawned a startup studio that will yeah. self spawn other like how amazing yep. that is yep. and, yeah yeah and I think the biggest thing there that when you start working with somebody in the beginning and it works you know whether it be a designer or a developer or an operator and you know that dynamic if you want to start that again you know who to draw from and those resources that cuts down the time of I need to vet 10 people I need to see what their price is do we work well together and so all of a sudden you you see how you have that spark that you see something grow from nothing and you want to do that again and then you want to help people do that and then that's the natural progression of it well I, sorry, go ahead, Megan. I was gonna say starting a startup can be a really solitary activity and what's great about the human ventures community and the fact that we you know heather started out of reserve and now reserve is part of our family and reserve is now helping some of our other companies in terms of the fact that we have ctos that can talk to one another and designers can talk to one another when they're sometimes the only cto in a room um it's great and i think that's the big value added out of the startup studio model is that you don't have to do something in a silo and you don't have to sit there in your garage going gosh i hope this is a good idea you actually have a community of people you can turn to and say i'm doing this right right I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by the by how the ideas are generated and vetted and what your process is for that because you know, I think for maybe for those who are listening who aren't familiar with the space, it's like, you know, a typical VC is just hearing uh, getting a lot of pitches and documents and you know, whatever it is and, and they're in the process of just like constantly evaluating as opposed mm -hmm. to like homegrown development isn't that common. And so, um, but there's a lot of pressure, I would assume, on you guys to like actually develop good, viable ideas. So how does that, how does that process work? I mean, is it, is it four people just, just, just with white space? Is it <laughs> no, it's thousands a, of people in meetings? Is it, you know, tell <laughs> me all about it. Such an iterative process. One thing that we talk about is the myth of the big idea. That people think, oh, you have to have the perfect product, or that Amazon knew what it was going to be from day one, or you know, even Google, all the, all these things. It's really not the idea. It's it's the space that you want to be in, the people that you have together, and then the the ability to iterate fast and understand what works and what doesn't. Right, and so. Um, what we have are spaces that we know we want to be in, and then we kind of we put our finger on the pulse of who else wants to be in that space, how are you collaborating, who do you have to bring in, whether it's domain expertise or good operators, 
And then we really do start brainstorming with that person and we're co-founding. So it's not that we have an idea fully fleshed out and that's what it's going to be. We have enough of an idea and of where we want to be that when somebody comes in, it's a starting off point and then we can collaborate together and you're truly co-founding it. Because to your point before, if, if a person doesn't work out to be the founder, it's their company too. So you you make that work or you realize that it doesn't work just as if you're two, two co-founders in a garage. Same thing, you know, you look at human as the second co-founder. So can you, can you maybe take me through, <coughs> pardon me, the process, um, like, like the real, pro if you can, uh, you know, the real process yeah. with one of your portfolio companies and like how the idea came to be and, and got the green light. Yeah, candidly, when I first decided to do this with Joe, he gave me a, a document of 87 ideas. Oh my God. So <laughs> he's somebody- hadn't started on Cocktail Napkin. <laughs> yeah, and so he's he's one of those people who have, have that- Gotta have Joe on the show. Sounds, yeah, sounds yeah like no, he's great, he's great. <laughs> and you know, some of them I liked, some of them I didn't. And then, but it was also, let's come up with a framework. We have um, an overarching framework of how do you, we wanna make people's lives easier and more fulfilling. So how how can we leverage learnings that we have from other companies? How can we add value in terms of our business development relationships? How can we um, take our technical you know, best practices that we have and then look at the different ideas? And then who do we have in our relationship database? Like, that's, that's how a couple of them started. So we knew we wanted to be in, we have the food tech industry, which is reserve. We knew we had a media kind of focus because Joe has a lot of great context there. We have e-commerce because that is leveraging some of the uh, mobile assistant that concierge service uh, that reserve has. We are in ed tech, an ed tech space because that's Megan's background, something that we're really excited about. Um, and, uh, and then we start actually, some people start coming to us with early ideas, and I could see where Gen 2 of this, so the first, the first kind of year, we're doing our own ideas. The next idea is coming in the pipeline. They're not gonna all come internally. They, they, we do wanna collaborate with those best people who have those ideas, and then wanna utilize Human Ventures engine that we've already created to, to really start more, but kind of keep along the same theme that we have. Yeah, and processes-wise, you know, we start internally brainstorming and thinking about, you know, say we want to get into ed tech. What is the problem that we think we want to solve? And we'll go out and do a ton of independent research just ourselves. And we work with some contractual researchers as well, and we'll just learn everything that we can about the space and learn about the holes. But we mostly don't study other startups. We mostly study actual user behavior. You know, how are people interacting with a certain thing out in the world? Um, and then from there, we start doing brainstorms, and we'll bring in, that's like a really good time for us to start kind of moonlighting what it would be like to work with certain people and certain teams. And so that we'll bring them into brainstorm sessions. We have like day long jam sessions on weekends. Mm -hmm. And that's when you can start to see a team emerge. You know, some people will start to work together really well. Some people really gravitate towards the idea. And then from there, we're able to take a big room of people and siphon it down to like a really core team that's ready to run with it. So how long did it take between conceptualizing? I mean, I know you did this with another studio, but mm -hmm. conceptualizing this and and green light. I mean, considering that this is this is a pretty new. I mean, Human Ventures is pretty new itself. Yeah, we're a year old this month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine yeah. we're just bringing a cake uh, at, the end, at the end of this uh, session. I think each one's going to be very different. One thing that I'm very, very adamant about is that we aren't a conveyor belt 
kind of method, we each company is going to be very unique and different the way that it starts, and it already is. And our relationship with Reserve, it predates Human Ventures. That's different from the company that we co-created with another studio, which is different than somebody who had an idea who came in. You know, so each one has um, a lot of attributes that are that can be streamlined, um, whether it be legal or payroll or some of the operational processes. Then everything else is so uh, unique, and you want. So my goal here is to really maintain that authenticity of a company starting from scratch somewhere, just being able to lever. Um, lever up with all of our existing relationships. Have you guys have you guys had, a, had it gotten to a point where you kind of like okay we think this is going to work and we're right at the precipice and just had to pull the plug? I mean we've definitely said no to ideas that in the beginning I was like we're so excited about this and then you know like anything you have to pull the bandaid off quickly and decide whether or not something is best is the best use of your resources. So we've definitely squashed ideas and didn't run with them. Um, after we put a little legs behind them. But um, we're too new right now to say whether or not that's going to happen. I think that's a concern from the studio model. Like, when do you know to mm-hmm. kill off a baby? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to know. But what one of the things that we we like to do is have outside investors come in pretty early. So we get the companies up to, you know, a certain uh, pre-seed point. stage. Yeah. And then look for that outside validation with some of our investor partners. And then you also have two portfolio companies, Reserve and Picture Motion. What roles do you play with with these with these two firms that are? How do you accelerate a firm that is beyond that that seed stage? Yeah, it's actually really great that we have so many companies at different stages. You know, um, Picture Motion is profitable. Uh, Reserve is you know coming up on its B. Our other companies have you know Kern has gone through a seed, but the rest are all pre-seed. And it's actually been wonderful for us to be able to articulate. All right, this is the way we interact with the company at this stage. The answer is you know we will always be a big part of these companies. We will always be um, you know a support mechanism for them, it obviously will change as they grow their internal capacity. Um, so we're going to advisor for them in the ways that they need us. And in the beginning days when we have all hands on deck, you know, we're making sure this company grows and works and all those good things. With the later stage companies, it's more up to them to come to us and say, here's the next iteration of our product or here's the next thing that we want to work on and here's how you can support us. So it's much more being delegated from them how we can support versus the other way around, where in the beginning, you know, we're, we're growing a company from scratch. And the idea is that the Human Ventures machine, once it gets going, it, it, you know, it can support these companies in perpetuity because it will endlessly be a source of recruiting talent and potentially investor um, relationships and just like really great places to have hard, critical conversations about the way that your company is growing. Um, so they always have that resource to, at their disposal. So maybe you can get a little deeper on that, like on, on how do you accelerate a company? Like, like, like let's let's go with the earlier stage mm-hmm. companies, like like um, current. Um, yeah, token you know, is the other one, and, and, and or token. Yeah, both of them. Um, what are the things that you can do? Like, it's funny. I'm I'm a bootstrapper. I started the company myself. Yeah. And just did everything as fast as I could to get it going. And the idea of having other people on board helping to row um, maybe was anathema to me at the time. But as I look back, I'm like, wow, that could have okay. really helped. Right. You think of one other uh, co-founder that actually has six co-founders so it's somebody yeah. you're saying oh whether it's i think in the beginning um some of the major components of um success factors of success will be how fast can you recruit talent what kind of what type of talent can you recruit uh and you know and financing right so people operations and money um and so i think in any one of those three areas if you can have a team that's helping accelerate that process um then it's beneficial 
they have a space within the studio so each one of them get their own section so they can start to build out their company culture and things like that um and then they endlessly have us at their disposal because we're all working under the same roof if you're trying to recruit somebody to be your co-founder be your number two or be your ios engineer or whatever you can say, hey, I'm in my basement and I'm doing this. Yeah, Come meet on me board. at Starbucks. You know, or you say like, no, it's actually a really fun environment. There's a lot of people who are doing this too. Yes, you might be the number two person, but there are three other companies in this space and you can, you know, leverage them if you need to and things like that. So that, that, that's actually interesting. It, do- it dovetails well with, with, with something that I'm, I'm curious about. So I'm going to take a big digression here. And, and we had a guest on the show, Laura Mather, who started a software a security firm uh, years ago. And, and she sold for like $375 million to, to, it was called Silvertail. She sold it to EM, EMC. EM, am I getting EMC and EMS mixed up? The one that's computers just bought <laughs> yep. by Dell. Yep. Uh, I think the other one sells uh, outdoor wear. Uh, and uh, Eastern Mountain Sports is the one I'm mix, mi- mixing up. It's EMC. Okay. And, uh, and, and, and she is starting her, her next venture. I was asking her about, like, why, does she, why was she even pursuing, uh, you know, venture, venture money? And, 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 and she, was talked about, she talked about legitimacy. And, and interestingly enough, her, her, her next venture is to help um, remove biases from hiring. Mm. Um, and she said, she was telling me how she went out uh, to, to market to, to raise funds. And she talked about how she always had a man in the room with her. And I was shocked that this, she said to me, she'd done the research, you know, she's a scientist. And she said that it just in order to ensure that there's some legitimacy, um, she said she didn't agree with it, but it was just a matter of it's, it's business. You know, she was out there. And, and I, as someone who has a two-year-old daughter, was like, not offended because she was telling me this, but I was kind of shocked and disappointed. This leads me all the way around to my question, which is, you know, you're talking about attracting individuals. Do you feel like, um, you know, from the perspective of, of leading a startup studio, that it's harder to attract a male or even a female, um, you know, uh, epicumen to a to to one of your portfolio companies or to human ventures. That is the longest question I've ever asked on the show. <laughs> no, no I, it's, I mean, it's, it's a, a good one. one. It's yeah. I, I can't. I can't say yet because it's still early whether or not I have definitive answers about whether or not there's been difficulties because we're female-led versus male-led. I will say that there's a couple core traits that I definitely notice that we do that maybe isn't you know all the way across the industry. You know, Heather and I are extraordinarily collaborative. We much rather ask somebody for help and work with people and be inclusive instead of exclusive. Um, our open door policy and the way that we always want to invite everyone we possibly can to our events is I think definitely uh, a good indicator of that. Um, I will say that we've been lucky to be surrounded by really good people. Um, so the other people from the other uh, venture firms that we interact with have been phenomenal. Um, and, and we're also looking in the last couple months, other giant venture firms have hired their first female partners. So I think we're coming into this, you know, at the same time that places like First Round you know, ha- have Haley now, a New York-based female founder. So we're not going to be the only female people in venture. Um, you know, I, I definitely go to the women in NYC venture meetups, and there's a whole seven of us there. But, um, you know, the, the group is getting bigger, and that's my hope, that that group keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger because then it's no longer strange to be the only woman in a room. Yeah, I will say, even taking it aside, gender aside, the diversity aspect is huge, and I think that's why New York is really set up for something like this, because there are so many diverse industries, and anytime you get people from different backgrounds in a room, you're going to come out with a better solution. It, it's just, you, you, it's a, an echo chamber if you have the same type of people in the room talking about the same type of things, and that will always impede mm-hmm. progress. It will always, maybe in the short term, you're going to have 
like-minded people are going to come out with something great, but in the long term, it's just it's not sustainable. So I think um, one of the uh, what things I love when I look at some of the events that we put on with Human Ventures and our investor network is really you know people who have invested in Human Ventures. It's across. Um, big corporations, it's across, you know, venture, it's across, you know, definitely um, almost 50-50 gender-wise, um, family office, uh, you know, family businesses that have been in really interesting industries. Um, we have food, we have fashion, we have, you know, all these different things. And that is something that you can really draw upon um, that, you know, you just don't want to sit there and say, across the board, men or women is, right. is, is better. Yeah. I think just diversity in general. Is Lots of different forms of diversity, which is actually ironic because that's what, that's what um, this turning this into a, into a commercial Laura? Laura, but that's love what Laura's, to meet her. Yeah, I'd yeah, love to meet her. Unitive. She's looking is for her, a co-founder? <laughs> <laughs> Unitive is her, is her software. And it, it, it's, it's, we, I asked her about, like, we, we talked a lot about diversity on the show yeah. and she was, she was awesome. We have to have her back on and find out where Unitive is these days. I will say one um, thing to that. Some of our really close friends who have been in venture capital for a long time and who have been mentors to Megan and I, uh, male mostly, uh, you know, they say, well, how can we help? And I say, you know, lending credibility to what we're doing is, is, um, is really key because people do listen to well, veterans who are in the space and that happens to be male. So if there, if there are, you know, um, there are people who lend you credibility just like in anything that, uh, that know what they're talking about, that's, that's the key thing. And so hopefully we can just be that support for, um, for women and men alike who want to be in this space. I'm curious about your relationship with your founder because, um, you know, he had this tremendously successful exit and, and, and my understanding is it's, close to exclusively his money in, in the We fund, do have inve external yeah. investors as well in our parent company, but but yeah, Joe, after he sold his, his company, he was the primary funder. So are there a different set of, of pressures when you, like when you truly know your investor and you see and interact with that investor every day, um, you know, what are those, what is that experience like? It's great. You know, he's, um, he runs advanced ad networks for within Fox as well. And so he's really a great bridge between um, industry and, and large corporations and then the startup tech world. And so I think he's one of those people who are, are definitely um, valued from, you know, entre young entrepreneurs value what he thinks and people who have uh, wisdom but might not be familiar with some of the newfangled technology, mm -hmm. they value what he thinks. So I think it's a really great place to be in that definitely helps uh, human ventures in a lot of different ways. He's great. He's a visionary. He knows how to give autonomy when um, when he needs to. You know, what we like to do is really have our own vision for what Human Ventures is, where it's going, um, and make sure that that's consistently in line with, with what he had envisioned. But I think we constantly are, are pushing that boundary. I don't think he had any idea what it was going to be from the beginning, and, you know. Yeah. He endlessly wants to be a support system to us. So I told you this earlier, you know, he's the greatest person to put out in the world and say, go talk about Human Ventures, and to give him a to-do list. Say, like, here's the list of things that I would love for you to try to achieve for us, and he always delivers on them for us. And it, it's great, because he trusts Heather as a CEO. He understands what that he's not there running the company day to day. We are. Um, but he always wants to know, you know, how can I help accelerate you? How can I be a tool in your toolbox? And he's phenomenal doing exactly that. I, I just, I find it, I mean, I've never been in a, at a VC firm, and, but I, I would, I just find that dynamic of him being the major funder 
um, to be really interesting because I, I mean I'm I'm sure most VCs are very very good stewards of of, of their um, investors' capital, mm-hmm. but to, to, like, it's very different when you know when you know that person. It's like this dollar belongs to someone that I see. It's in his pocket, as opposed to yeah, this came from a fund that put it in an investor. So I'm, I, it's it's a really interesting dynamic to me. Well, we're actually really close with our entire investor network. So like Heather said, you know, we did take outside investment after Joe's initial one um, from a really tight knit group of people who serve as our mentors, who serve as our company's mentors. Um, so it's great because they're all rooting for us too, and they're all helping us achieve the goals that we've set out. And they, they know exactly where we're going and they know what our roadmap is. And they're always saying, how can I be a part of this? How can I propel us forward? So we use a lot of you know inclusive language, not exclusive. And it, Human Ventures really is this massive shared entity between all of these people and everybody feels like we're all on the bus together, making sure it drives in the right direction. So looking to the future, um Goal, the goal was to, I think, launch five ventures in one year, which is uh, really uh, it's quite quite um, ambitious and, and fantastic you put that out there. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Do things ramp up from that point, or is it like five, five every year, or is it five then even three? Like, is there a certain mass at which mm-hmm. you just you're like, okay, this this is this is plenty to, to manage. It's a good it's a good question. So we um, you need to start somewhere, and I think as each company progresses in stage, whether it works, it folds. You know, stage it progresses to a new round of funding. It you know becomes profitable. Whatever stage, you know, kind of milestones. Then we have in the pipeline the next one that we can think that we're going to, you know, we have room for X number of companies this year. Or we have you know, let's start thinking through that. And we kind of have we have a um, almost like an investment committee, but it's investing of our time. You know, it's it's more than just money because we're not a fund. We are a company, right? So it's all of our time. And we and we say, does this align with our values? Does it align with the person who's running it? Do we have a vision driver? Do we have all these aspects that we put towards it? And so that's kind of the next one that comes in. Um, ideally, I'd love to grow this and I'd love to be able to, the key there is how do you scale and keep the same authenticity of starting a company from from the beginning? And the um, my, you know, my hypothesis there is the co-founder. So you're really co-founding. So you're constantly um, Every time you start, you're starting from scratch. You're starting a different way. Uh, you're starting a new um, a new culture. Is there I don't a point? know if that answers your question. No. I, I, uh, <laughs> also, as we grow, there there are other opportunities that have come our way too. How do you yeah. how do you? Uh, we've had corporate corporate sponsors come our way and say, you know, we love to create workshops or um, you know an innovation team within xyz company and have them come in and work with human ventures so that you kind of pull that in so that's another idea for a year or two we probably will partner and have an innovations lab that's uh that's that's ramping up in its own right and might be a different cost center um, versus the studio that we're actually building companies and then we have the entrepreneur in residence program we have Megan's been spearheading over 40 events a year <laughs> this first year, you know, so. You can definitely come to the next one. Uh, I'd, I'd <laughs> yeah. like to be on the, on the list. Yeah, so you can see how it grows and we'll, we'll see <laughs> what works. What does entrepreneur in residence do? I mean, an entrepreneur in residence is not too dissimilar from a traditional VC fund. There's somebody that's built a company before, done great things, and now they're figuring out what's next. And what I love about 
they're called EIRs, is they're people who are sitting down and trying to learn something normally brand new. So they're thinking, how can I become an expert in something that I might want to build a business around? Um, so you get to watch people do that, like learn a new language. When drones came out, the amount of entrepreneurs that sat down and said, okay, great, I'm going to learn how to do this um, was really fascinating. But what that program really is all about is it's a great place for those people that we have de- you know, deemed as epic humans out in the world who are thinking about what's next and they don't have something going on right now come into our office, work with us, help be a mentor to some of our other employees, and then you can see some of the ideas that we want to build. It's, it's a great matching program for some of the people in our network to the next companies we want to build. Um, and it's also a great resource of just continuing to grow our network. And from that, a lot of our next companies will stem. And then like Heather said earlier, that it's the growing list of people who have come to us saying, I just barely started an idea and I think you guys are my co-founder is getting greater. Um, so yeah, we have five companies this year, but it very well could be more next year because of that iteration and the way that we're co-founding. Last question for you guys. I, in As I told you in doing my research for the show, I, I tried to go as deep as possible. I went years back on Twitter for you. I was, oh, I was all over the place. Why did I used to tweet uh, about it? <laughs> I, I, well, I stopped once. I figured it was, it was beyond. It was, no, I, I didn't it's go too far back. Okay, only a couple years. So, I mean, you guys are, you guys leave, lead like these, you guys are seemingly out every night doing something, oh, uh, networking, you know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I should have looked at the dates. Now I'm embarrassing you guys. Don't tell my mom. Uh, <laughs> you're out a lot. Like, I, I mean, I don't mean this socially. I mean, I mean, you're out there building this network and you're Talking mm-hmm. about a lot, and I'm 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 making Heather blush, so now I feel badly. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you're 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 out there a lot. Like, I mean, is there is there time to shut it down? I mean, are you guys are you guys you know is there a time where there's just like some sacred like okay, look, I, I don't know, Sunday from five till yeah. twelve, I, I'm nothing's going on right now. Well, I mean, absolutely. And this comes up a lot when we see our friends in San Francisco and L.A. They're like, gosh, you guys in New York, you're just always doing something. So it is part of being in New York that we're used to having a faster pace of life. Um, So we just kind of fell into that. And now it honestly feels natural. Um, You know, when I first met Heather, that's how we became friends, because we were both working at two different nonprofits, but going to similar industry events. And And we started a company together. And then we started a company (laughs) together all around. How can we operationalize going to events and hosting them ourselves. But, uh, you know, so there's too many opportunities right now. We're still young that and we don't pretend to be experts at this yet. So we need to continue to be students of the space. And the best way to become a student of the space is to put yourself out in front of the people who are excellent at it already. So that's why we definitely prioritize doing the things that we do externally. Um, We do shut it down. I mean, we work long hours and it is a scrappy startup. So we're working really hard. Um, Both Heather and I meditate. Heather is the reason I learned how to. That's a big part of our work-life balance. Um, Joe has this great saying that you can have work-life balance if you make your life your work. But in a way that (laughs) kind of is not as weird as it sounds and that, you know, our significant others are part of the family and we'll go to events with them. And our friends who are very talented have started to work at some of our companies. And so you don't feel like you're working and then you have your personal life as these two separate entities. One feeds into another. And it's great because then you get to feel excited both socially but also professionally about almost every activity you're doing during any given week. One of our values is also health first. It's health first. It's, you know, you don't, you're half a human, then you're not going to give anything. You can only mm-hmm. give from what you have. So, so um, really do have to take a step back and, and check, check ourselves sometimes too, that you have to, like Megan said, it might be cliche saying that we both meditate, but um, something that's been a core, core tenant of my life since I was 10 years old. And so I, 
I couldn't imagine being in New York City without some sort of a reflection or some sort of a tool like that to be able to, to keep going. <laughs> yeah, accidentally, most of the Human Ventures team all joined the same gym, and now we run into each other in the morning. <laughs> so that that's awkward, but also great. People are prioritizing <laughs> health first. That's great, guys. Thanks so much for being here. I'll, I will. I will. Uh, we're gonna. We're gonna uh, bring you back at, in the future as this thing, as both Human Ventures develops and as the businesses themselves develop. I'd love that. Yeah, we'd love to bring some of those founders. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.